Well, we're happy to bring Al Bant on board with us uh, this morning. Good morning, Al. Hey, good morning, Dwayne. Good to hear you. I, um, you know, boy, 95 degrees. I don't know if Minnesota. I know it's good for the corn, but uh, oh, it always scares me when it gets that warm because the last time we did it, we got hail here. Mm. And I went out. Uh, I was down in the basement puttering around, and I heard the hail, so I ran upstairs and went outside. Uh, I know when you have bad weather, you're supposed to do the other way. You're supposed to run down in the basement, but being a dumb guy, I ran outside just in time to get hit by a huge hailstone on the arm, which uh, stung like the dickens, but they were, some of them were bigger than a golf ball. Uh, I mean, not baseball size or anything but they were slightly bigger than a a golf ball which is really scary and that was uh, one of those hot 90 some degree days and it's so it always scares me when it gets like that and again i know we need the corn is crying out for hot weather always they want hot weather it seems like unless it's too dry so it's uh I hope this time is just hot and i went for a couple mile walk this morning and it was easier walking than the last couple of days. It's still really windy, but they're not gale force winds right now. So <laughs> that's a little bit better. The good part is in the hot weather, boy, that uh, breeze, it's like walking with a fan. It keeps you nice and cool the whole time. And I uh, had a lovely walk, and I, I was thinking, Dwayne, how uh, lucky I am in many ways but I am so thankful for a love of nature because I can see a lot without going anywhere but outside. I can walk outside no matter where I am, and I can see things. Oh, true, it might be a house sparrow going in the grill of somebody's pickup, which not everybody is really uh, excited about. But still, I was watching baby starlings. Ma and Pa had six of them. And their mouths were open the whole time. They were crying, feed me, feed me, feed me. And I noticed that one of them had a white tail feather, uh, one of the young ones. So I could pick that one young one out. And I think that means that uh, he or she will be either the uh, king or queen of starlings at one point. But it there's beauty in, uh, that can be easily seen in even the commonplace like a starling. I heard a pileated, and you can say pileated if you want. I I don't know why I say pileated. Either one is correct. I guess it's just uh, just habit is why I do that. And it was in our yard, and the oh the call, the call is similar to a flicker's, but a flicker sounds like a soloist, and a pileated woodpecker sounds like the entire choir. It's just really a lot louder. Uh, other than that, it's pretty similar. And the light show, uh, folks have an eye out now for the light show because it begins in June and continues into August as fireflies flash in search of mates. And each species of firefly has its own flash pattern, and the colors will uh, vary uh, slightly, at least in my eye. And I think of firefly numbers peaking around the 4th of July, but that's certainly not exact. It varies. I'm seeing eastern tiger swallowtails, bluet damselflies, and widow skimmers, dragonflies. So just uh, tons of them. Uh, they're just everywhere, move about. And hummingbirds are feeding on the four parts water to one part white sugar mixture that I put out. 
I heard from Brenda Katasik. Uh, Brenda's a wonderful person. She said a friend on her Facebook page asked today, how many feeders do does she need in her yard to keep the local male from chasing all the hum, other hummingbirds away? Uh, and the secret is to put up 47 hummingbird feeders. Uh, 48 is even a better number. Uh, putting up another feeder out of sight from the favorite perch of the bully helps. So if you've got a bully hummingbird, you watch him. He'll fly to the same perch, and he just waits for another hummingbird to come up so he can fly out and chase it away. Uh, a good idea is putting up a feeder on several different sides of the house. That will hide a couple from the dominant bird, and it'll give you another reason to go into a bird store. The problem is making sure they're visible from your windows so you can watch them and enjoy them. That's part of the reason we put them up. So uh, I hope that's of some small help and and that she gets a deal on buying 47 hummingbird feeders. I think she should. Among uh, the multitude of events canceled this year was the wonderful Henderson Hummingbird Hurrah held in Henderson, oddly enough. And although the hurrah has been shelved, the Hummingbird and Butterfly Garden in Henderson is open and is well worth visiting. Uh, volunteers maintain its magnificence. I won't give you any uh, directions or anything. You make it to Henderson, you're going to find that garden. And it's just uh, take your camera there, a lot of butterflies and hummingbirds to take photos of, and enjoy uh, Henderson, Minnesota. I like most everything, Dwayne. I just, uh, I always say, you know, the, my I got it from my mom, I think. Mom would always say, oh, but he, he may be a rascal, but he's good to his mother, that kind of thing. She always found something good to say about somebody. Sure. Yeah, but I, I stable flies didn't make my list of things whose company I enjoy. They cause me considerable discomfort. Uh, chiggers and buffalo gnats, some folks call them black flies, didn't make that list either. And I've copied this list to Santa Claus, so Santa's <laughs> going to find out about these. Uh, stable flies, another name for them is dog or biting house flies, and they target dogs' ears. If you have cows or horses, they get the legs and me. That's their main food items. Uh, stable flies resemble small house flies. I hear from a lot of people saying, oh, house flies were biting me today. I didn't know they bit that much. Stable flies, again, they look like small house flies, and both the males and the females bite, and they bite hard. And I've heard them referred to as ankle biters, which is a reference to their favorite feeding site, my ankles. Uh, they're fast flyers, usually biting low on the leg, feet, and ankles, although any bear skin is fair game. We were uh, watering the garden here the other day, and they were keeping me dancing. And their bites will cause cattle to stomp or kick. And my shins have felt the misdirected anger of a cow. Uh, decaying organic matter such as grass clippings, compost piles, or bedding straw are ideal breeding area for these guys. I'm looking at a chickadee out my window right now. It's, it's my favorite bird. I love chickadees. There's a number of different species of chickadees. Here we get the black-capped chickadee. They are all my favorite. 
and a chickadee makes me smile without doing anything more than being a chickadee. And the chickadee is in my birding sweet spot. In 2017, you know, here comes a whine. In 2017, I spent too much time in the hospital. And freed from that confinement, I found walking difficult for a while and birding nearly impossible. So I decided to count chickadees, with 1,000 being my goal. I didn't care if it was the same chickadee over and over and over again. If I saw it, I counted it. I told no one, holding my own soft celebration upon achieving that minor goal, I counted 1,000 chickadees again this year, and they added up much quicker than 2020. And I just, uh, I'm just real, I'm, I'm going to thank this chickadee as soon as I get off the air. Oh, hey, Karen and I, I better... You know, I put these out. I used to make lists of things to do, Dwayne. Now I have these. Uh, they almost glow in the dark, 3 by 5 or not 3 by 5 I don't know what size they are. Those little sticky papers, anyway. Okay. Because I don't get company anymore, really. And nobody don't, comes here much anymore, so we're kind of in a, a dark cave now. So I write things on these little notes, and I stick them all over my desk. I just have a, a desk covered in these, like, uh, little bright green leaves. And one of the things I put on there was geese. And you know you know how men are. We write one thing down in the hopes that will trigger something in our memory and we'll remember why we put down one word. And it was about putting up fences. Karen and I had talked about putting up fences. And I heard from a, a listener saying they use a rock barrier and they put boulders at least two feet in diameter along a shoreline. They live along a lake. Seems like a lot of work here. Uh, geese normally like to walk out of the water on bare, flat, or gently sloping banks. So when they put this rock barrier in there, that just uh, kind of stops them. And then they have some vegetative barrier. They've uh, planted something in there. So it it this will keep them. They said they tried it with smaller rocks first, and the geese just went over them like they were storming a castle. Uh, fence barriers will physically prevent geese from walking out of the water into feeding areas, and they can consist of woven wire, wooden or plastic snow fencing, chicken wire, silt fencing, netting, mylar tape, uh, several strands of heavy fishing line, uh, electric fence, uh, wire strung 4 inches, 8 inches, 12 inches, 18 inches, 24 inches above the ground. And um, you have to make sure the fence is long enough so the geese will not walk around the ends of it. The problem with fences is they are, not everybody sees the attractiveness of uh, some of the fences that are put up to keep geese out. But I guess it's not meant to be attractive. It's meant to keep geese from uh, coming up on your yard. Uh, Felicia Young said, Hello, Al. was driving with my family today through Freeborn, Minnesota, and saw the most beautiful bird. After investigating further, I learned it was a yellow-headed blackbird. My husband, who drives through Freeborn regularly, said he'd seen five or six in a group a few weeks ago, but I was skeptical. That's unlike a wife, uh, Felicia. Uh, by golly, he wasn't lying. Anyhow, in my investigating, I saw them on the trees on the last curve before you turn into the golf course road. My husband saw them by the cemetery. I was wondering if you had any more information about them and their status. 
Well, Felicia, I'm just happy when a husband is right, because that doesn't happen to us very often, so it's good. Uh, counts of yellow-headed blackbirds in Minnesota have been declining by an average of 1.86% per year since 1967. That's according to the North American Breeding Bird Survey, of which I've been uh, a volunteer for about 100 years. Uh, The birds are a species in greatest conservation need in the state and the subject of a conservation plan by Audubon, Minnesota. Uh, Drought, high water, loss and degradation of habitat, the impact of pesticides and herbicides, and wetland drainage uh, hurt populations. Minnesota, 1.86% per year down. Nationwide, the population is increasing 1.88% per year. Uh, Most of the population increases are occurring in the western United States, if you see a red-winged blackbird today, overall the red-winged blackbird population is 16 times, one-sixth, more abundant than the yellow-headed blackbird. Uh, Bonnie Heineke found a black-necked stilt in Sibley County, also in American Avocet. Oh, Brenda Katasik had one other thing. The Swan family along Highway 93 to Henderson has six signets this year. And she did a photo book of the Swan family in 2017 with photos from April through October with pictures every few weeks donated to the Nine Nature Center in memory of a dear friend of hers. Uh, Patty Kelly, she says, hi, Al, greetings from Hopkins. This is Patty Kelly. Our 1941 house has deep window wells, which we do not cover. These are, there are several toads and frogs of different types that live in each well. They can't get out because the well is too deep. They all look healthy as far as I can tell, but I wonder, should I be helping them out? Are they okay in there? I've tried to find the answer via the Internet research, but was unsuccessful. Um, Patty, thanks. Uh, Put covers on them. Uh, Covers are a great idea. Uh, My wife and I had a baby possum in our egress window once. It entertained our indoor cat to no end. A board allowed it to climb to freedom, but sadly we found another little possum later on dead in that same window after we'd been gone for a while. So covers are wonderful ideas. The frogs and toads in yours are likely okay there as long as it remains moist and they have some cover-like leaves. The, but the best thing is to get them out of there, pick them out, or use a makeshift toad ladder. And I don't think you can get that at Ace Hardware. A toad ladder would be a board with sticks nailed or glued to it for rungs, and that might work. Uh, the lovely critters aren't always anxious to escape, and it's very nice of you to care about them. Uh, I did get a hold of uh, Tom Jessen, who is really into all the herbs, And I said, do you have anything to add? And TJ, who knows everything about frogs and and toads and snakes and those sort of things, he said, cover them. And he put that in uh, uh, capital letters with three exclamation points behind it. He said he's gotten reports of skunks, snapping turtles, and baby fawns falling down into these window wells. Baby fawns, yeah. Uh, Kevin Lynn of Belle Plaine 
sent me a photo of a bird at a feeder. It's a dick thistle. And it's the dick thistle is our last bird that migrates here each spring. Uh, Lauren Kaiser of Albert Lee, who takes care of the Albert Lee Audubon Preserve in beautiful Albert Lee, found, almost steps on a tiny fawn. I hear that a lot. We almost step on tiny fawns. And I never hear from anybody that says, oh, my goodness, I stepped on a tiny fawn, and I, and I hope I never do. Eric Anikstad said, Al, we have a, this pair that chirp from sunup to sundown. Can you identify by the song we've not been able to ourselves? And he sent along a, a video, and it was great. It was a dick thistle also, and it resembles a junior metal arc for those with a good imagination like me. Uh, Tony and Jim Pershbacher of Albert Lee have a banded pigeon in their yard. They said they can get within a few feet of it, and they're feeding it, and they're wondering what they should do. And I said, do you enjoy his company? And they said, yeah, we do. And I said, well, keep feeding it then. It is uh, bands, has bands. It is a failed racer. I've called a number of pigeon folks, and they have all pretty much told me the same thing now. If it's not good at racing, they really don't want it back. It's just uh, uh, to call a bird a loser is a bad thing, but it's just not good at what they want it to be as a racing pigeon. So sad as that sounds, uh, Tony and Jim, you might have just been adopted by a pigeon. Uh, Kent Spellman, also of Albert Lee, said in National Geographic there's a story about hummingbirds being able to see colors we can't even imagine. So with our three color cones, we, you, all, you all remember this from school, I bet, the colors of the rainbow, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet, the spectral hues. And we can see... Uh, one pure non-spectral, uh, not in rainbow color, and that's purple. And that's because it stimulates our red and blue cones simultaneously, and we end up with purple. Birds have four color cones, theoretically, that lets them discriminate a broader range of colors. And they can see into the ultraviolet spectrum, which includes colors such as UV green and UV red. Uh, Kent also sent along something from the Jackson Hole News and Guide from uh, Wyoming about Grizzly 399. It's a beloved and well-known bear that resides in the Grand Teton National Park. Wildlife photographers and tourists come from around the world to try to capture a photo of this 24-year-old celebrity bear in her natural environment, and she has four cubs this year. So a pretty cool thing. Um, Lucy said, how can woodpeckers hammer on a tree in our yard without getting a headache? Uh, yeah, don't try it. Uh, they have reinforced skulls that are structured to spread the force and the brains of this woodpecker are cushioned from repeated impacts. Uh, despite that, woodpeckers are susceptible to fatal window collisions. A listener asked, what do swans eat? Uh, we never see them at McDonald's or anywhere, so I think that's out. Uh, trumpeter swans eat aquatic vegetation. So they are eating leaves, seeds, roots, tubers, rhizomes. 
And the swan parents use their feet to stir up food for the cygnets. Invertebrates in the sediment from the tubers and rhizomes provide protein to cygnets and adults. Uh, swans will also eat grains left over from harvest. And going, this is our delicate question of the day. And, uh, you know, one person asked, so I kind of, I get this question a lot. I just kind of let it go. But I, I've had two people this week ask this same question. Is it true that red squirrels emasculate other squirrels? I've heard that red squirrels castrate their competitors all my life. Uh, a lot of hunters have told me when I was a kid people would shoot squirrels and, and eat them, but there's no reliable observations have been documented of that, which I'm happy to to say that. I grew up reading naturalist Ernest Thompson Seton. I still have one of his books. And he noted that species of the parasitic bot fly would prey on squirrels, and they'd lay eggs in the groins of squirrels. This is as close as I get to medical stuff ever, I think. The hatch grubs would burrow into the skin and consume the host animal's testes. I'm not certain of the veracity of that, but bot flies do parasitize tree squirrels, so they are there. They also will parasitize chipmunks. And the larvae leave protruding boils called warbles, like a warbler, warbles, on a skin. And this makes for a lumpy squirrel. Adult male squirrels lacking testes have been cited as evidence of the emasculating abilities of pugnacious red squirrels. Oh, but it's an old man's tale that arose from the fact that males have testes that shrink and retract after the breeding season. So, uh, and like you two good folks, people have told me that all my life, and I'm sure as a kid I was, uh, I know I believed it because I would watch squirrels, I don't, being the first one that would ever see something like that happen, but I never saw it. Another one that I, I heard from two people this week, uh, have coyotes ever killed a human? Uh, historical records, as near as I've been able to find, I haven't checked in the last couple of weeks, but historical records show that there's two documented incidences in the U.S. and Canada. I know the one in Canada was a singer, a young country western or country singer, and I believe the one in the U.S. was a uh, small, like, three-year-old child. Typically, 30 to 50 people in the U.S. die from dog bites annually. Uh, Deer-related car collisions responsible for probably 200 deaths each year. Coyotes are omnivores and small game hunters. They feed on rodents, fruit, rabbits, turkeys, geese, woodchuck, carrion, pet food, garbage, and fawns. The fawn's primarily up to 20 days old. Do they eat a cat? Oh, yeah, they sure will. Another reason to keep cats in the house. And they do feed on adult deer that have been hit by cars. So it's, I, as you can probably tell, I kind of like coyotes because they remove a lot of stuff from our roadways like uh, vultures do. 
and I'm happy to see that stuff get off the roads. And uh, coyotes work for, uh, they just work for food. They don't ask for any money, so we don't have to help them out in that way at all. So they are uh, out there. I see them. I see more. I hear this from a lot of people. Are we seeing more than we used to? Yeah, I sure am. Uh, Dave Bartke in Steele County saw a gadwall, and in Dodge County saw Hensel Sparrow and a Virginia rail. Uh, Linda Sparling saw a Hensel Sparrow and an oven bird in Steele County at Rice Lake State Park. Uh, Susan Schumacher in Wasika County saw a trumpeter swan and an eastern screech owl, and in Dodge County had an alder flycatcher. Ronald Earp Building, also in Wasika County, saw a veery and an alder flycatcher. Uh, Paul Janscher in Freeborn County saw a canvasback. No, the canvasback was in uh, Faribault County. He saw Gadwall and Bonaparte's gulls in Freeborn County. Uh, Luke Hollander saw a snowy egret and a Hudsonian godwit in Steele County, a pine warbler in Dodge County, and lastly, Ronald Erpelding in Lesseur County saw a ruddy turnstone. Uh, I just got a, a question here. How do I keep raccoons out of my yard? Uh, I watch a raccoon come in about the same time every day and take a bath in our yard. And I hate to holler at him while he's taking a bath because I, I think he really needs to clean up a little <laughs> bit. But how do you keep raccoons out of your yard? Uh, some real simple things you could do is secure the trash. Don't leave pet food out at night. Uh, put a cap on your chimney so they won't uh, won't live in that. And then get an alligator because uh, alligators will eat raccoons. Wow. So be, yeah, that <laughs> might be something. I don't know if you, those are available anywhere in Mankato, <laughs> but if you can find one, it's uh, probably a good idea to do that. Uh, oh, another listener asked, said, I have grackles coming in and they dunk food in our bird bath. And why do they do that? They do that to soften the food, especially when they have nestlings. And I've seen grackles do this with dog food kibble, the real hard dog food. They'll fly in and soften it up and then fly it back to their nest and feed it to their babies. Uh, my last question here, I think, is... Why does a hawk call while hunting? And uh, this fellow went on, he's out walking around, and he hears this hawk whistling overhead. It's doing those kind of lazy circles. And so I'm guessing it, with a whistling, it's a red-tailed hawk, which is our most common one here. Why does it do that? Well, it's not to alert prey, because um, prey, it doesn't panic as it should what prey does is it becomes motionless. So if you're a rabbit or squirrel there, you just kind of freeze in place and hope you're not seen. A hawk vocalizes to announce its presence. It's sort of a ta-da, here I am. Uh, defend territory or communicate with a mate or young. And then, of course, fledglings call when they're demanding food. Dwayne, it was good being on with you. I want to thank everybody for listening. It's uh, just nice being in your company. I was thinking when when I was a kid growing up, locations were given, uh, for a farm kid, locations were given in the number of miles to the nearest paved road. They'd say, yeah, we're about four miles from the paved, nearest paved road. A mother described town as being just a hop, skip, and a jump from our farm. 
I don't know if anybody's ever tried traveling that way for more than a few miles. It's exhausting. Fortunately, it wasn't the only way to get there. But go outside today, do something wild, take a look at a bird, and then maybe hop, skip, and jump a little bit. Thanks, Dwayne. Appreciate your company. I hope everyone has the most wonderful of days. Very good. Thank you, Al. We'll talk to you again. Karen will be back with you next to Tuesday morning.